This episode of Mode Push, a much-anticipated episode, as Dan is in Sydney, Australia, prepping to go to the Singapore GP this weekend. We'll get the breakdown of whether or not Max Verstappen can get the World Championship all tied up, what has to happen for that, plus some of the differences between an F1 car and a NASCAR. Dan has been familiar with both of those, so we're going to break all that down right now on Mode Push. Radio check. Loud and clear. KSL Sports and KSL Podcast present Mode Push, an American view of F1, starting now. I'm stuck. He's making cut. Look at Honestly. I've gutted. I've absolutely gutted. I enjoyed this so much. Thank you. Thank you. Welcome in. It's another edition of Mode Push, our F1 podcast brought to you by KSL Sports and KSL Podcast. Alex Curie here stateside. Dan Jimenez, our own Dan Jimenez, reporting for us across the world, uh, doing work, uh, of course, actual work for his actual job, and then his hobby on the side, uh, doing this podcast and, of course, uh, covering the race this weekend in Singapore. When I say covering it, uh I think it's a little bit too late to get a media pass. And you don't want a media pass, Dan. You want to actually, like, enjoy it as a fan because this is your first time, man. Yeah, I want the full fan experience. So I want to be up there with the commoners in the grandstands. (laughs) I'll tell you right now, (laughs) they treat fans way better at events than they do media anyway. I mean, just having covered things as media, like you're looked at sideways. You can't cheer. You can't be excited. You got to just – you got to be a stick in the mud – uh, you know, and and pretend like you you have no emotions, and then and uh, that that's how you come across as a media person, and that's how you're treated too. So it's better that you're going to have this experience uh, this way. So Dan is uh, currently you're in Sydney, well Australia, yes, and so uh, that's right. Please run down for us because you've snuck in some things on this trip that is even prior to going to Singapore. That is uh, kind of an F one. I, I guess a person who's an F one fan would would really really appreciate. What have you been doing? Yeah, aside from kangaroo hunting, uh, we've been able to do a few F1-related things. So we were in Melbourne for a few days, and uh, just casually at dinner, uh, one of our kind of partners down there in Australia asked if we had driven the F1 track, and I was like, wait, is that a, is that a possibility? That? I mean- and they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's just in a park. And I was like, oh, so Albert Park is an actual park. It's not like just the name for a road co- uh, race course, because when you s- watch the Melbourne Grand Prix or the Australian GP, it looks like a full professional race course. Right. It does not look like a street circuit, right? And so um, we drove down there, and it was already dark, but it's it's like a central park. Like, think of Central Park in New York City. It's a big city center metro park that they convert into a racetrack once a year. And you can, uh, as we were driving in, we realized we were all of a sudden on really really smooth asphalt like <laughs> with some stripes very different from with the rest. sausage curds yeah. on the side and stripes on the side yeah yeah what was interesting is there actually the, the there weren't any sausage curbs there was no other indicators that it was a racetrack other than it was really smooth and then when we found our way to the front stretch then you see the paddock area so you oh, see all the yeah. garages mm-hmm. and they had the front stretch uh was essentially a parking lot and there were people parked up and down the front stretch because above the garages on the second level of the paddock were uh, like indoor soccer, indoor basketball facilities. And there were just people out there playing rec basketball and soccer uh, above the F1 garages, which I thought was really interesting. 
And then uh, they've painted over the start boxes, but you can kind of see the start boxes oh, along yeah. like where the grid would be. They don't want everybody stopping. The they don't want everybody stopping and doing their own start stop <laughs> practices. That's against the rules. That's right. <laughs> yeah, they actually have like big cones set up uh, so that you have to really slow down before you get into that area. And then the one thing that they have left is the uh, start finish line is painted still. So we got out of the car, we took pictures with the start finish line. Oh, that's cool. And then we drove the course. And there's signs everywhere that say, you know, being actively monitored by speed cameras and, and all that stuff. And so we we tried to st- keep it uh, within the speed limit. But it was really fun to to drive the course like, OK, this is turn one. This is turn two. This is, you know, where the DRS is. It was a lot of fun. That's and a, we, we did a couple laps. Around what, it. Uh, what was the what was the rental car that you pushed to the limit? I'm assuming then. <laughs> yeah, we were in. Oh, uh, we were in like a Fiat uh, like Duna. A Mitsubishi. <laughs> we were in a, a Mitsubishi something. Uh, yeah, that's uh, <laughs> the old Mitsubishi power unit. Yeah, yeah. No, I know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it was, so it was speed cameras, because I'm assuming people go there and they go, "Dude, I was at Albert Park and I did, I did 140 miles an hour at Albert Park too." Right. Yeah. And even when we drove out to some of the other sightseeing things, we did way out in the bush. And out to the to the kind of uh, coast area, we were like, oh, well, you know, like in the U.S., speed limits are kind of more suggestions. And so we were, I don't know, maybe if I, I, I can't indict myself here, but, um, <laughs> we, you know, we were doing a, a relative amount to the speed limit that you used to be doing in the U.S. And then when we talked to our Aussie friends and we asked them, so how often do you guys break the speed limit? They looked at us. They're like, very rarely. Right. So like I'm never. just waiting to see what's going to be in my mailbox back in the U.S. When I, I get I've home actually, for me. I've actually had that before. Have you ever gotten the by mail uh, ticket before? California was good at this for a long time. Like I got, yes. I got hit. It's the most embarrassing thing too. I cannot wait for the Dan Jimenez. Like uh, it has a shot of the front and back of the Mitsubishi that you're flooring it in. And then your face, because yeah. like my thing is, is like the California I'm one. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I, I like, I like rolled through a, uh, you know, a red light turning right one time. It's like, okay, yeah, the old uh, appropriately named the California roll kind of through there. And I remember mm-hmm. not thinking anything of it. And then like two weeks later, I get, a, I get this thing in my, in my mailbox, and it's like, hey, you owe uh, ninety one dollars to the city of Anaheim, and here's your ugly mug, Ooh. right? It shows me, and I look <laughs> guilty. Like I just, it's not even. I wasn't even looking. At, I didn't even know I got my picture taken. But I look as guilty as you could get. So that maybe we'll get uh, a version of that when we come. When you come back, you'll have a couple of speeding tickets. I would be disappointed with no less than. Uh, I think the over under on speeding tickets then for you is probably one and a half. Uh, I'll take the. I'll oh take the uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it is. It's gonna be. I'll have to make that that uh, photo of my face, uh, my new Twitter avatar. Oh or my goodness, it would be classic to have you the speed the speeding ticket at Albert Park. That it's almost like you need to do it. So yeah, uh, yeah. All right, so it's a commitment. There's a race this weekend. This is what we've been waiting for. We've been getting through with some of these uh, historical uh, podcasts where we kind of in, informing people the history of of F1 a little bit and kind of going through some of the engineering side of things. It's actual race week here. And so now a couple weeks off that these, that these teams have had to get across the world and, uh, and to hit the, the Singapore GP. What's the history of this race, this course, and maybe a little bit of, of what to expect and, and where this lands in like the, uh, of the race weeks where is it one of these courses that the, uh, that the drivers love? Uh, it's certainly any night race is really, really cool. I think it looks like that. That's a sexy sell. I think it's one of those that I can show my kids and go, that looks pretty darn cool. And those sparks are coming down. So where does this Singapore GP land in terms of 
of the historical importance of it and uh, and how much do the racing drivers love this? Yeah, I, Singapore lands more on the newer side of uh, the scale for uh, kind of amount of historicity in the in the sport. I think it marks a new era for F1 where they really started thinking about new markets um, and being able to start these races in these time zones that are kind of uh, on the other side of the world from where the majority of their fan base is. And then kind of uh, leaning into the night race being one of the first night races uh, that uh, F1 ever held uh, in Singapore, uh, I think is, is just part of kind of the, the cultural experimentation that F1 has been doing and, and trying to see what resonates with fans. And I think what they've found is that people love watching night races, uh, both in person and on television, and are willing to you know go to or get up at, at odd hours to be able to watch these. And then from a, a, the, how do the drivers look at it and the teams, it's a, it's a, it's a road course. And when I say that, it's like, these are the real streets that real, uh, you know, people are driving on day in and day out. And what that means is that they're very rough um, and compared to the kind of more purpose-built uh, uh, courses that they race on in Europe. And uh, with that roughness in the, in the streets, that really affects how teams are able to generate grip. And so you have to have a higher um, level of travel and built into the car to be able to take in all those bumps on the curbs and driving over manhole covers and whatever it may be. Uh, and so that increased amount of travel that you have to build into the car raises the car up and you're producing a lot less downforce from sucking the car to the ground. And so teams that are able to produce a lot of downforce in slow corners um, are going to do well at Singapore. Uh, teams that rely upon um, high down uh, high downforce at high speeds, like Red Bull has been able to do this year, are going to have a little bit of a harder time. So there's people that are, are are speculating, kind of predicting that Ferrari will actually uh, have the best car for this particular type of course, uh, generating grip at low speeds because it's a lot of um, short bursts in between city blocks and then slow 90 degree corners and, and tight entrances, a lot like uh, Baku, but. One big difference between Singapore and Baku is, or Azerbaijan is that Azerbaijan has that super long front stretch that takes um, the uh, that makes up a majority or, or a big portion of the lap time, and so they still have to balance that arrow and low down force section of the track. But Singapore is just right turn, uh, right turn after right turn, and so teams are going to be coming with high down force setups to um, maximize at the slow speeds. I was looking at, I mean, night races are, what do you have, what's on the circuit in terms of night races? I mean, the majority obviously are, are that 3 p.m., you know, local start time. Um, but these night races are, are something that's that's really cool, I think. And and, and it's one that we're going to, there's going to be a U.S. night race obviously next year with, uh, I was just looking at the Vegas map and trying to figure out where you and I could be staying next year in mid-November. I'm <laughs> like, right. I'm like, in, at, in the the very, at the very, yeah, those are the ones that are already going to be taken and that uh, I can't, I can't uh, uh, just write off as a, we're more as a like, work trip. We're like Circus Circus. Well, no, look, yeah, well, there's a Taco <laughs> Bell right at turn 11. So I just figured maybe right. <laughs> you, you and I could just hit the uh, Taco Bell and go, oh, there's a race going through here. I didn't know that. I'll just be uh, posted up here by the window. But the night race is is interesting, and and that's a a newish thing as well because historically, obviously these uh, these races these cars don't have lights on them, and so you have to have a a well lit track all the way across. And but the, it's a spectacle that I think that all of these places that have night races, I mean, there's a reason I think that 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 you see some of these night races have 
you, you see him used in so many of these cuts and highlights of F1 because it's just such a cool look. Yeah, you get to see the sparks coming off the car. It, there's more of like a fireworks show as these cars bottom out um, at high speeds or on the street courses. It makes it really cool. Yeah, so you see uh, the Middle Eastern, um, like Saudi Arabia, mm-hmm. Qatar, Abu Dhabi. Those are uh, night races. I think that's predominantly done because of the heat. It's yeah. just so hot during the day sure. that it would just cook these drivers and these cars. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think it's, uh, it's going to be really exciting. I'm glad Vegas is a night race as well. It's probably heat related that it's at night. Also, um, it's like an, uh, 1 AM start time in Vegas, uh, Eastern. Oh, really? And that oh, was yeah, a lot yeah. of people. Yeah. yeah 10 Pacific, so it's a 10 right? Yeah. PM, 10 Pacific, but it's, you know, there's just a lot of American, uh, fans are a little frustrated when they announced that schedule and they're like, wait, I got to stay up to midnight to watch this race in my own country. <laughs> uh, you know. It, that that that's a little bit of a head scratcher i'd like to see them maybe push that more towards a like a, a prime time slot uh for the u.s in future years interested to see how they uh how they do this like the, just the logistics of it i'm sure like vegas pulls off crazy events i mean that's their thing but this is different i mean this is uh and they have a racetrack there in vegas right they have an actual you know nascar circuit race there outside mm-hmm. of town uh, they've hosted massive things before, and so Vegas is no stranger to hosting big events. But something that stretches across, you know, the four miles uh, uh, around the the strip is going to be uh, quite interesting. How they're gonna how they're gonna handle that thing? And yeah, I want to see how how we can actually go and watch this thing, and uh, how they're gonna shut the streets down. Just shutting down the entire strip uh, seems like a, a a crazy thing. So let's get back to the race for this week. And what to expect from the actual standpoint of the world championship, Max Verstappen can win the world championship this weekend. And I think that the uh, flow charts that I've seen of how he could do it aren't actually that complicated because we've seen this happen where he basically just needs to finish first. And then Ferrari needs to, you know, have a technical failure and then Max is the world champion this weekend or is a little bit more complicated than that. Yeah, that's, that's it. If Max wins and has the fastest lap, uh, which he's done uh, a lot recently, then uh, Charles, if he finishes eighth or lower, then uh, and then Sergio finishes fourth or lower, then that's Ma- that's Max's most clear way to locking up the championship this week. So, you know, there's not going to be a scenario that Charles finishes eighth or lower uh, outside of, you know, an, a racing incident or a, um, a technical failure, right. like you said. So I think if, you know, I expect Charles to win pole again this, uh, at... Uh, at Singapore this week and then get off to a clean start. And, um, I don't, uh, I don't, I would, if I'm a, you know, betting man, I wouldn't say that Max locks it up this week. I think it'll continue on to, um, you know, further races into Suzuka and maybe further. Uh, the, the weather forecast this week, and you were talking about how, uh, you know, humid and muggy and hot Singapore is going to be already. But I think earlier in the week, at least, the forecast was a lot of rain. That's one of those things that can – rain is a is a variable in F1 that changes the race, and it actually makes it a lot of fun for people who uh, are pretty new to the sport where they go, oh, good, it mixes up the grid a little bit. You don't have just, like, the normal finishing, and it, and it tends to be a little bit better than just, like, maybe that that uh, 40-second win that sometimes you see in, in these races and you're anticipating something better. So what's the, what's the forecast still looking like this weekend? Yeah, it's still calling for uh... – hot temperatures and a uh, high chance of rain. Uh, I will say that on this side of the world, uh, e- about every day so far uh, that I've been out here, it's called for rain, but the majority of the rain of the day has been sunny. 
or, or not raining right. and the weather just moves really moves through really fast here. Um, and so maybe the same story in Singapore that, you know, it's a hundred percent chance of rain, but it's all contained within a couple of hours. And maybe that overlaps with the race or not. It's just really hard to predict. Uh, the other day I got woken up by a thunderstorm at 6am that was uh, as strong as any thunderstorm I've ever been in. And I opened up the weather app and it didn't even show up yet. It was just a burst that came out of nowhere. So I think there's just a, a lot of uh, variability that could surprise the teams and the weather just shows up out of nowhere. And like you said, uh, they say rain is the great equalizer when it comes to racing because, um, you know, the speeds have to slow down. Uh, and so downforce becomes less uh, of uh, an advantage uh, for the teams. And so uh, that puts kind of car, the cars more on equal basis. And then the drivers, uh, those who have more experience in the rain can get more out of their cars. Uh, will will definitely pick up a lot of time and in strategy, you know, switching between full wets to intermediate wets to dry tires uh, is a huge uh, difference in lap time. And whoever can make that prediction, like we saw uh, in races previously, I think last year in Russia was one of those examples. Uh, the Russian GP, where if you know you made that call to go to slicks uh, a lap sooner than everybody else, you could make up, you know, 10, 15 seconds. And so there's a, a fun strategy element to the rain as well. Uh, looking at the rest of the calendar here, so we are looking at this one. Abu Dhabi is the last race. That's going to be November. So I'm counting up uh, four, five, six. Let me see. So, so there's seven races left, including Singapore, right? So you got this race, Japan, yeah. the United States, Mexico, Brazil, Abu Dhabi. Uh, so that, yeah, that, I guess that works out to be, oh no, that, that works out to be six. It's six with Singapore. Yeah, six yeah. more races left. Uh, what are we looking for here? And I was thinking about this too, Dan, when, when we, when we've talked about this year and, and, and just how interesting it was because Max is really, he really can, it could turn into historically one of the greatest singular like driver seasons ever by a world champ because he's on the cusp of breaking the single season win record total. And, and I think he could really do it. And, and it looks like he's probably going to do it. Is there going to be like some sort of an asterisk with this year where everybody's like, yeah, but that was that year that everybody got brand new regulations and no one could figure things out. And, and, and Red Bull was just ahead of the development game from everybody else. It wasn't necessarily that. I mean, how are we going to look at this year historically if Max does run away with this world championship and have the record winning uh, amount of races in a season? Yeah, I, I don't, I have not thought of this year as an asterisk year because the engineer in me just wants to give all the credit to the Red Bull engineering team for having put together the best car. Like, yeah. you know, lots of regulation changes coming into the year, but everybody had the same rule book to follow and, you know, credit where credit is due to Red Bull for engineering the best car out of the gate. And it'll take some time for everybody to catch up to him. So I don't think of it as an asterisk. You might be able to say like, Oh, Max just clearly had the better car, but you also don't see Checo, you know, running away with second place either. And so, I think it's a combination of an incredibly designed car by Red Bull and Max just, I think, being at the top of his game and the best driver on the circuit has created this stretch uh, in in the distance between first and second place on the grid. And um, so I don't think of it as like an asterisk like you would the, you know, the NBA bubble year or, or you know, uh, uh, any anything else that we've seen in other sports. I think that uh, full credit to the team uh, that wins this year. You're looking at all the teams and, and every week, every couple of weeks, and we, we certainly have had a couple of weeks off. When they do have a couple of weeks off, um, everybody looks and goes, okay, what's going on with these teams? 
and the seats that are still up for grabs. Have we determined anything else going on here? I, I know that uh, Christian Horner threw a bone to his uh, his former driver uh, Daniel Ricardo this <laughs> week and said, "If I'm if I'm Alpine, I'm basically the way that Christian Horner does it. I'm I would be an idiot if I did not uh, sign." Uh, 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 Daniel to a seat there, which Alpine's still looking to assign somebody for that 2023 seat as Esteban Ocon uh, really right now looks like the only guy who signed up. So what do we know about some of these other teams and the confirmed uh, deals that have maybe happened or not over the last few weeks? Yeah, it's so funny. I saw uh, some meme yesterday and it was that the meme of Spider-Man pointing to himself and there's like yeah, six like Spider-Man's yeah. around the circle <laughs> and it's like seven drivers uh, trying to get three seats uh, because so last week we reported last week there were four available seats, but since then they've confirmed um, Joe Guanyu and Alfa Romeo. So there's only three seats left, Williams, um, Alpine and Alfa Tauri. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, and then, and then Haas, if, if they decide not to re up mix. So what's the um, deal though with, with Pierre, what, what's the deal with Pierre Gasly's contract at, at, uh, AlphaTauri though, because his contract goes through, uh, I don't know when, I think the end of 2023, but they're like, yeah, except for it might not like, so is that just him backing out of it? And, and how does that work? I mean, you, you're, you're looking at, at a guy that I think a lot of people look at and go, oh yeah, French, he's going to go to Alpine, but how is it that he just goes, yeah, yeah I'm going to step out of this contract early? Yeah, that's. It, it is interesting that there's still so many rumors floating around him leaving when he extended his contract through 2023 this summer. Um, and I think that speculation is driven by, uh, you know, the, what's at Alpine and what, um, you know, uh, AlphaTauri might see as a possible replacement. I think that if, if he's not happy there, then I think they could come to some sort of amicable agreement on the contract. But you, you think that he wouldn't have uh, re-upped for another year if he wasn't happy. So it, it's weird. Like when you look at the graphics, they all say that, you know, he's locked in for next year. But then so many twi- uh, Twitter rumors fly around that uh, he still may be on the move with uh, the Alpine seat open. So uh, it's kind of a, a wait and see. But, you know, it would surprise me if, if, that's, if he stays there another year and waits for some more open seats for something better next year. And then on the Daniel Ricardo piece, uh, yeah, I mean, if Christian Horner's right, if I'm if I'm at Alpha Tauri, it, that would be, or or even Alpine, I, I would be um, thinking that Daniel Ricardo is by far and away the best talent on the grid. But maybe that's not what Daniel Ricardo wants, and he wants to wait an extra year. And there was rumors this week of um, Daniel Ricardo doing a year in NASCAR here in the U.S. with uh, the Project Ninety One team, which is a rel- relatively very new team. Uh, to NASCAR, uh, that's the team that uh, Kimi Raikkonen ran the Charlotte race uh, oh, with right. back yeah. in uh, back earlier. Uh, I think it was a month or two ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and their Project Ninety One is all about trying to get talent from other sports, specifically F one, to uh, get them into NASCAR. And they would that would be a dream for them to get Daniel Ricardo. He already resonates so well with U.S. fans here. Um, and uh, Kimi Raikkonen did a similar year uh, after his F one championship in the Truck Series. And that was always entertaining to watch uh, just the culture clash between Kimmy and all the, the Southern good old boys uh, on the, the truck racing circuit. <laughs> um, and so I think that uh, Daniel could be a really big personality in NASCAR and, um, and that project 91 team is, is really new. Uh, so I don't know how competitive they would be, but 
um, maybe that's a, a possibility for him if he doesn't do the Mercedes uh, reserve driver thing for a year. That's when Kyle Busch rolls up to Kimmy's, uh, you know, the side of his window when he's pissed about something. And it's like the, you don't want to mess with the Iceman. Listen, if there's going to be a fight in the truck circuit, like the Bush, you know, Kyle Busch can't just run up and, and throw his helmet at Kimmy Raikkonen. Kimmy Raikkonen will, will lay down the yeah, law. Nobody. Like, so. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. The uh, best, the best was when there was a whole race where Kimmy Raikkonen spent the, the whole race complaining about his drink bottle, not working <laughs> Uh, correctly you give me the Where warm is the water. drink you give me the warm water to, <laughs> i can't doesn't even come out it's warm yeah i, I the kimmy reichen and yeah. radio messages it's... are classic uh <laughs> some somebody did ask me this week dan and you can help uh answer this because i'm always just like nah, i'm gonna defer to dan on these questions as always yeah. aside from the cars looking different and the tracks looking different what are the big differences between a nascar like nascar race cars and f1 cars and because you know the NASCAR's uh, top speed are, are right up there with the with the F1 cars. You know top speed, but what are the big differences if somebody's getting into Formula One racing? That the differences between these cars and uh, and a NASCAR that that's flying around a, a big oval. Yeah, so so NASCAR the whole premise behind that was uh, the the couplet of uh, win on Sunday, sell on Monday. So they're trying to. Sh- uh, really promote the brands and the specific vehicle models that is that are out on the track. And originally that was the case. Like you'd have the, you know, Plymouth Superbird out there that Richard Petty's driving around. And that's literally the car you could go buy from the dealership. And then over the years, they got more purpose built. So they had very little um, in common with the street cars that Ford and Chevy and Toyota are trying to sell. But that's basically the premise. They're, they're big, they're heavy when it comes by race car standards. Um, they operate uh, mostly in a, in a relatively narrow speed band between their low speed and their high speed on the ovals, high banking. And, and with the, the, the not being open wheel, being closed wheel, they can bang on each other. They, they can hit each other. They can get all mangled and keep on racing. And so uh, that's more of the big difference there um, from F1 and other open wheel, which is uh, trying to maximize the engineering potential of these cars to go as fast as possible. So they're super light. Um, they have uh, a bit more um, advanced suspensions uh, and uh, obviously the downforce and all of uh, the uh, advanced technology that they have is, is a lot higher, but that's because the, the cost caps are, or the, the budgets for these teams are a lot different. Um, and you got 20, uh, 20 cars, but 10 teams in making up F1 and you've got, you know, 43 or 40 cars in NASCAR by, you know, between 28 different teams. And so it's just, the budgets are, are smaller there. But uh, if you're the casual fan, I think that, uh, you know, maybe not having watched motorsports first, you'll find F1 more uh, visually appealing, just the different places that they go, the different culture, um, the, the tracks uh, are more interesting. And with NASCAR, um, it's uh, more about like the direct competition between the different drivers right. and, you know, allowing those drivers to get a, a bit more physical with their cars and, you know, sometimes with their fists. Um, so it just appeals to a different, uh, a different type of fan. What well, uh, power plant wise, like what, what's the, yeah. Like, what are we looking at here? Like difference wise? I mean, you know, the difference of the cars is you have that rear wheel drive, uh, super heavy stock car that will slide all over the yeah. place and doesn't really rely on that downforce. Like you were talking about, but uh, I mean, in terms of like how much horsepower yeah. they're working with. I, I know the F1 is big deal is, Hey, look what we're doing. We're doing a hybrid engine. We're trying to be responsible with this F or uh, 
<laughs> you know, uh, NASCAR is more like FU, F1. Like, we're just going to have big old cars yeah. with big old engines. They haven't had the big you displacement. Know, right. Yeah. Yeah. I remember we were getting like four miles to the gallon, three miles to the gallon. It's pretty good. And you're, you're, re- yeah, you're refilling, <laughs> you know, three or four times a race. But um, yeah. So NASCAR, you know, big block V8s, huge displacement. Um, and, you know, five liters plus, and they're making, I mean, when I was there, we were making, uh, they keep the, uh, horsepower numbers under lock and key, but it was pretty common to have anywhere between 700 and 800 horse. Um, so a lot of power, uh, but, uh, relatively low RPMs. So big displacement, low RPMs running kind of maxing out around 9,000 RPMs where F1 is really small displacement, like 1.6 liters, I think is what the current yeah. uh, yep. displacement, uh, rule is. And like 20,000 RPM, 19,000 RPM. Right. It's, it's absolutely incredible uh, what the F1 engines are able to turn. And what that means is um, just the torque that they're able to produce. Um, and uh, so they're able to get a lot of power and torque. And um, again, I think the, the horsepower numbers are, are pretty private. But from what I've read, um, they're getting back up to the 900 to 1,000 horsepower range on the F1 cars now. Um, and uh, with each iteration of the engine regulations in F1 over the last you know, 20, 30 years, they've been progressively going into smaller displacement, higher RPMs, and then adding on the hybrid power. So and what that 1,000 RPM is, is including the hybrid power, too. What has to be, like, what has to be the same across the teams in F1? Like the 1.6 liter hybrid engines. I, but what are the things, like, what are the pieces of technology that basically have to be the same or are these power units essentially different uh, aside from some of the displacement numbers? Yeah, uh, and we could maybe go into a deeper dive with that on a separate episode, and I could do a bit more research. But from what I know, um, obviously the displacement, there's going to be a lot that has to be uh, similar. And then the uh, this year, there's the two hybrid engines that... Um, or I guess, no, they got rid of the, the, the other hybrid engines. So there's been the, the kinetic and then the, the heat uh, hybrid transfer engines. Uh, or motors, um, and they're going to be, uh, you know, simplifying those down. And so that's all common between everybody. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, there, there is still a fair amount of ingenuity that goes into all of this in the development. And I mean, developing the motor is as, um, you know, technologically intensive and, you know, resource intensive as developing the car. Yeah. So that's why you see these, um, you know, different teams partnering, uh, to get power from, you know, the, the main engine builders, which are, you know, Ferrari, Mercedes, Renault, um, and then Red Bull making their own engines. Okay. How's this one work out this weekend? You're going to be, you, when do you go up to Singapore and what does your weekend look like here before we get out here? Yeah. Friday morning, uh, take off from Sydney, land in Singapore, do a a business visit. And then, um, we're going to head to FP2 in the evening. Uh, and then, uh, FP3 and qualifying on Saturday. And then the race on Sunday, and there's a lot going on. They've got concerts. I think we're, there's a Green Day concert. There's oh, a Black awesome. Eyed Peas concert. So we're going to hang around for that stuff, uh, get a ride on the Ferris wheel. I, I just don't know really what to expect other than I know where we need to be at, at what time for the different events. There's also uh, two support races uh, that are happening this weekend in Singapore. There is a, um, a all-women's um, single-seater racing series. Uh, so think F1 cars, open wheel, mm-hmm. but it's all women, 20 women on the grid. And I think this is like their 10th race or something. The first time coming to Singapore, 
So I want to go see that. And then there's also a professional uh, kind of sports car GT3 GTM series from Thailand. That's like apparently their premier series that's going to be racing on the streets too. So that'll be cool to go out there and see like some, you know, BMWs and, you know, Lamborghinis and stuff racing each other. Well, it's an exciting weekend for you. Uh, the rest of us are going to be oh, – look, I'm going to be time shift watching it like I do everything else in my life. And uh, <laughs> it's a full weekend of college football and professional football, and then uh, I'll be looking for you in the – I don't know. What am I supposed to do? Uh, find yourself – they have so many shots, F1 shots. Please find yourself on a camera. I'm going to be, like, meticulously going over. And uh, are you going to have, your face, are you gonna have yeah. your face painted red with the, uh, with the Ferrari yellow <laughs> on it? Like, how am I supposed to spot you? Well, I'll figure something out, but yeah, turn one, just right there uh, in the stands about eight rows up. So okay. I'll, I'll find a way to big old sign that says, hi, Alex. All it. right, perfect. Uh, and then we'll get the breakdown of the race as well, because uh, we'll have to do that. That turnaround is going to be quick too. I don't know how we're going to pull Sunday off because you're going to have to figure it out. And I, I think, I think we're all in on an all nighter. I think we're going to okay. do an all nighter because we've got a early morning takeoff the next day. Oh. So we'll figure it out. And you can sleep for the next two weeks anyway, when you come home, your kids don't need to see you. It's fine. <laughs> Right. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Dan. Uh, we appreciate it, and uh, my heavens, I'm uh, super, the the jealousy level is through the roof at this point, and I think that anybody who's uh, joining our show maybe for the first time they'll be uh, enjoying it as well. So, uh, have fun, stay safe, and safe travels. Still, we get there, get there all intact, so we can so we can watch this race, man. Will do. Thank you so much. All right, for Dan Jimenez, Alex Keery, this has been F1 Mode Push right here at KSL Podcast, KSL Sports. Uh, we'll talk to you uh, after the Singapore GP. We'll get the breakdown there from Dan from Singapore. So for Dan, I'm Alex. We'll see you next time, everybody.